going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. She's talking to you. My friends keep All the time. That you ain't no good. Oh, really? Oh, oh, mm. That was like a jolt. Rest in peace, Aretha. Rest in peace. Clean his soul. He knows it. He knows it. Kiss me once again. Mm, yes, ma'am. Don't you never, never say that we're through. Cause I ain't never, 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 no, no. Love a man the way that I love you. Out of that bad. <laughs> Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. There's a lot of things that can be said for that song. There's a lot of things that we can that can be said for Aretha Franklin. Of course, of course. But I mean, this is what I love about old soul music. Like it teaches you a lesson. If you are a man and a woman is saying something like that to you, especially if she's singing something like that to you, with that emotion, man, come ooh, on. Ooh, either you hit the jackpot and you're like, yeah, I keep singing it, or or you've you've messed up. At some point, you've seriously messed up. It's like what the h? I didn't mean to put my hooks in that deep. Oh no, you've messed up. But uh, 
it's cool knowing we played it earlier today on other shows, that story, how that song came together. Yeah. I guess Aretha had the demo. She kind of the idea of what she wanted to do, but it kind of was this, you know, I love those stories where it's not a pre-written, pre-written piece of music from one person that it's like, okay, I got a general idea and you're sitting in a room with a bunch of other people. Well, let's make this work. Hey, exactly. That's just like the um, the movie, uh, the James Brown story that they did. Mm-hmm. And he just walked in and he was like, every instrument is a horn. You mm. see this drum? It's a horn. Mm-hmm. I want you to play it like I this. He said it was all drums. No, was did he say horn or drums? I think it's all drums. Oh, all drums. Okay, because it's James, man. Yeah, and he was like, okay, now when I sing it like this, the drums is up under me, and then I, I want I want my I want my horn section to come in like this, but but, and one of the guys tried to question him, mm. and he just <laughs> turned and like cut him in half. <laughs> Like, are you getting paid to do this? I'm the genius, right? So I need you to be quiet and play it how I want you to play. And and when when they did it, it it was a stroke of genius. And that's crazy. Guys who can't necessarily play, like, I don't think James played every single instrument, but in his head, he knew exactly what he wanted. And where to come in at, how Mm -hmm. he wanted things to sound. Michael Jackson was the same way. Like, there's stories of him working with the Brothers Johnson, incredible musicians and producers in their own right. But him having like ideas for rhythm and melody and backup vocal and now, backup now, instrumentation. Now the thing, the thing with Michael was it was good when he got away from his brothers because mm. he wasn't he wasn't creatively as restricted. Oh look, it's Southern Wood, Brandon. Let, let let me correct you there. Oh my, it was good when he got away from his daddy. We've his had daddy this was the one that was trying to orchestrate the Jackson Five. Yeah, that was his father's vision of what those boys should sound like together yeah mm. and when michael got away from his daddy that's when michael got well, good uh, and he could be his own man and even and most people wouldn't they think michael jackson kind of in the effeminate sense but when he got away from his daddy and became his own man that's when he started creating michael jackson created music and there are few very few artists that mm-hmm. ever created music. I mean, formed another style of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's rare. I, you know, you can take southern rock and improve it and get better. You can take rap and and have better lyrics and improve it. But to invent music, yeah, Michael Jackson invented in. Say what you will about him. See, Michael Jackson's greatest artist of all times. I'll fight you in the parking lot over so, that. I know, and fair enough. And last time we talked about Michael Jackson, I caught some hell online. That's fine, because Michael's adored, and he should be adored. And I'll admit, if, you're, if we're talking about Prince, I will fight. I will throw down right oh, now. Oh, I know. I but know. when it's Michael Jackson, okay, I'll, I'll leave it up to others to, to teach me. But Michael seems so, and this isn't a bad thing. But I see so much James Brown in Michael Jackson. Oh, of course, of course. And and the thing and the thing is, a lot of people forget that he used the same producers from Off the Wall and Thriller. Now the difference is, by the time he got to recording Thriller, he had the formula down. Okay, I know how to make a album soulful, but I need to commercialize it. Right. So I'm using the same people, but he also put Quincy in it. 
Yeah. And Quincy came along and was like, okay, this is how you commercialize your sound. Right. And that's when Thriller just like took off. It was that was it. And well, that, that's another brilliant man, Quincy Jones. Oh, yeah. Was well, and he's the true the chart, composer. Brilliant. He's able to think about so many well, different well, things. Well, you, at you once think about some of some of the stars that came from under his camp. Not only Michael Jackson, you had Tevin Campbell, yeah. who was seven years old and had a number one hit up under Quincy Jones. To me, to Mia. Back in the day, back in the early 90s. Nobody knew who she was. She was just this young girl who could belt out notes. You know, young little skinny girl. And, you know, it wasn't until he recorded, uh, you put a move on my heart with her. And she just, like, blew up from there. Well, and the one criticism I've seen that Quincy Jones had of Prince was that the guy puts out too much. He's trying to do too much at once and by himself. Now, Prince could jam and play with others pretty well and there are great clips that have come out since his passing where he's like directing the band as well, they're playing and it's really cool stuff well well but this is the thing like prince has passed on so many big opportunities i did not know prince had a chance to be in the bad video right but when michael offers him a song and prince is interested and the first line that michael's going to be singing to prince in this duet is your butt is mine Prince is like, nah, man, nah, I'm not doing that. But then Wesley Snipes <laughs> takes the role and becomes a yeah. star overnight. Yeah. No, and it could have been amazing if it was Prince and Michael. Prince was a control freak. I, and, and see, that's like, he did not need that to make him a star. Yeah, yeah. And, like and, Wesley, and see, uh, you got somebody unknown that's willing to take that risk, and Prince was already established. Or had a you know yeah put his roots down and was starting to establish himself. Michael was Michael, I think, is definitely more commercial. Like he very. was. Oh, very much very, so. Yeah, he yeah. Bigger, now now now, star. now now don't get me wrong, and I'll fight anybody on this. Off the wall is still my favorite Michael album. It's a good now album, other man. other ones have sold more, but to me, it shows not only his creative range. He had a couple of commercial tracks That's in there. That's the album that's working day and night on it. Oh, right? man. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Off the Wall, the, the the title track, Off the Wall, oh, come on now. Yeah. You know, yeah. nothing else you want to hear on a Friday but living off the wall. You yeah. know. Well, and I just, I don't know, I'm sitting here thinking about Aretha Franklin and folks yeah. not that, just a couple hours from us. And there's a great story to give more perspective from that documentary. And if you haven't seen it, Brandon, no. watch it as soon as you can. Because they bring, I think it was Wexler, brings down Wilson Pickett. Ooh. And Wilson Pickett, you know, Wilson, like, is, he is very outspoken, very, very much himself. And he's like, they're like going into Muscle Shoals, Alabama. And he's like, where the hell are you bringing me? There, those people out there still picking cotton? What are we doing here? What are we doing? And he was really skeptical. Like, who are these guys? Like, but they created amazing but, music. But, but you think you think about uh, stuff like uh, the story about Stax Records, like how yeah. they started out yeah. in a little shack. How Motown started out in a three bedroom house on on uh, what was it? West Grand Boulevard. Yeah. And these places almost become like modern day shrines. Like we, I got in a great discussion with uh, the Skipper on music in 1968, and they talked about how after MLK was assassinated, I mean, obviously there are riots and people are tearing up storefronts, tearing up neighborhoods. One of the buildings that was untouched was the Stacks Building. Oh, it's respect because everybody knew it's, it's kind of. 
that's sacred ground. Like, Switzerland is what we call it. Yeah. When you have a, when you have a place like that, that even the young kids won't touch, we call that Switzerland. Okay, we just walk past that. That's pretty good, Brad. Oh yeah. Uh, have either of y'all been to Muscle Shoals to the I studio? Have not, actually. No. We had a uh, one of uh, one of my girls. We had a softball tournament in Muscle Shoals, and there was like a three hour break or two hour break in between games so I said I said I'm going I just want to see what the daggum thing looks like it looks like this attic right here I mean yeah. it is a hole in the wall you if it's not glamorous yeah. if someone said hey draw a hole in the wall that's what it looks like it is a I mean a block building and I'm talking the destitute part of town it, I mean it looks terrible there were cars lined up. I mean, there there were so many people there. I've got but, pictures in front of but, it. But, but you know, but you know what? The Motown Museum isn't well. Now that they've renovated it, it looks a little better. The base, no, they they didn't renovate it. See that? See, see, you're you're going on what you've heard. They, oh, no, I, they I, I, no, he's he's I'm, talking about Motown. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm talking about the Motown Museum. <laughs> and they, they painted the front. They didn't even paint the sides and the back. Of the studio in Muscle Shoals, but I mean, it's it, you and you just you think about the actual talent that has been in there and the music that's been created in there. But they say there's something about the way the walls are built or something. The acoustics just no. make it sound right. Well, in the documentary, they yeah, they keep coming back. It's in the mud, and it because may, it's like local hey, talents. I, well, it may be. Is but like, it's not just local talent, so Joe. No, but they I mean, found people, not just local talents. People started to show up there because what is this sound? But they found people like Claire and Carter. And does, does that, does that, Percy give, Sledge. does that give the singers, uh, do they come in thinking something special is going to happen and something spiritual happens inside of them as they're singing to make the songs better? What, what, do you what? think that's possible? It, it is. is it possible? It, it's it possible. Is. But. You have to also think, you know, a lot of these singers of that time, what did they start out at? Church. Yes. So they started off in a spiritual place. So it is basically they took that spirituality and brought it to rhythm and, rhythm and blues music. Well, that same I, emotion, that same type of, like like the song we just opened up with, with uh, Aretha Franklin. Yeah. You know, you can hear that. And well, that church piano, you can hear it. The reason I was kind of giving you the either or there, eighty four, when you asked that question, excuse me, Southern Wood, is uh, <laughs> Mr. Wood, Mr. Wood, Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Wood. Wood. <laughs> I don't think it just is is coming from uh, the artists themselves. I think they deserve all the credit and um, all the accolades. But when you go to a place like Muscle Shoals or uh, you go to places like Stax, you go to like Motown. I think there's something about the place. I really do buy into this idea of there's something about the place that you hook into. And, and not only that, don't, okay, great artists, don't get me wrong, but give those musicians credit. Too. Oh, yeah. Because it has been like one of the stories they were talk, talking about, like Marvin, uh, the what the uh, What's Going On album wasn't done yet. And he was he was working on the title track, but he couldn't find the beat. And one of the gu- guitarists was just laying on the floor. And guys was just in the studio talking. And they were just recording. This was like a throwaway recording. Yeah. You know, everybody, hey, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and next thing you know, you know, one of the guys just blows on the horn. And he just, he's laying, literally laying on the floor with a mic in front of him. 
and he's playing on the bass guitar, and that's what you hear. There it is. And, and, and the producer doesn't say anything. He just lets him keep talking. He's like, go. Just just sing. Just keep going. We'll edit this later. Right. And it was just one of those platonic-type moments where it was like, Everything was organic. Everything was just happening. That's mm-hmm. why the record comes through the way it does. Yeah, I love it when it's it, when it is organic and you just sort of it just comes alive. And it's from people actually congregating. I mean, I think there are one problem that with some music today, and I fell into this trap when I was trying to make it, is people aren't getting together to just jam and play and hang out. It, it just does become like, well, I can see, with technology, you can sit alone in a room and make music and make damn good music, but it doesn't have the same feel, I think, as... Well, well because every every instrument now is synthesized. Yeah. You know, I can play... That's, that's 20, killer music. Yeah, in can, my opinion, that's yeah, killer music. Yeah, I can play 26 different instruments on this keyboard. Yeah. But it's nothing like having a live drummer there. Well, a and live saxophone. And here's, I want to give a little bit of a backtrack. There are people that can take those electronic instruments that can emulate any other sort of instrument who can use electronic music and create in the same way like Jimi Hendrix could with a guitar or Aretha could with her voice. I really do mean, no. It's like, think about it. Joseph, you Joseph told, you're losing you told, me on that. Okay, I'll, I'm going to try to... Bring you back in. Okay, okay. You told me to watch a documentary on the origins of hip-hop. Yes. Hip-hop evolution, right? Yes. And the point they made is just like somebody hooked up an electric guitar to an amp, and it was, and they said it's black musicians, these guys took turntables. They weren't just playing turntables. They, they didn't just hit the button and go play the record. They played it. Like it was an instrument. And I think there are guys out there with drum machines, with all sorts of electronic stuff, who can play it like somebody picking up a guitar. As opposed to some people program it and know how it works, but they don't have... You can infuse soul in electronic music. You really yeah. can. And, and, and I'm, I'm definitely not the music. I'm probably the least knowledgeable about music of you know, you know guys more than, in you, here. You, you know more than you think. Well, I know what I hear... But I think Joey had a very, very good point because that's right where I was going to when I put my finger up is right now we're talking about, uh, you know, now I can't get into the auto-tune with the voices. You, you're changing your voice so well, much. Well, well, well it's Roger not really Zapp, your voice. Roger Zapp started that. But that's where I was going is when scratching came out back in the mid-'80s, late-'80s, and you were starting and stopping and bringing a song back and changing the tone of of what the record would have sounded like if you just let it play and making a new tone that was pleasant to the ears that you enjoyed that i i thought that was an art i and, loved early rap i loved it and, and see one of the things uh that they talked about in there is run dmc's first record sucker mcs um, Russell was like, okay. Like my I, favorite group ever in the history of the yeah, world. Yeah. Really now, now, Russell had to go to bat with Rick Rubin because Rick Rubin wanted these instruments. And he was like, no, just have it Jay scratching and a, and a bass drum. That's it. That, that's the record. And, you know, Rubin Stripped is like, down. this is not going to sell. This is going to be horrible. And it turns out that it changed the game. Because everybody scaled back their sound yeah. after that. And then they started mixing in the electric guitar yeah. with the rap. And, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a 
the early rap, a rap gets a bad name. It's, it's like all oh, that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what they say. Mm-hmm. The uh, but but early rap get, really does have a bad tag on it because it really changed the direction of music because it was mixing different forms of music together, hard rock, and this new thing of speaking words rather than actually singing them and then mixing in melodies with the spoken word it is it's kind of like poetry mm-hmm. and uh, singing together with oh, okay i'm i'm so glad you said that different styles of music going I'm with so it i'm so glad you said that because a lot of people don't know that uh an artist named Gil Scott Heron who mm. was back in the 70s pioneered rap they get they give him the tag for pioneer rap, but that's essentially all he did was it was poetry over 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 a beat. You know, a junkie walking through the twilight. I'm on my way home. You talking about this guy? Oh yeah. Actually, country music started it. <laughs> you ever heard the song Patches? Yes. Is that not a rap song? It's just very slow and spoken out very slowly. It's not as quick and as rhymey as the 80s and 90s rap. That's what you music is wonderful. Well, I want to jump back on years and years. I want to jump on something you're just saying though. Get like hip hop and rap was getting a bad rap because it changed things too much. But I think that like even now because of the history of hip hop, there are people who were around, say, in the 80s or the 90s, who were looking at stuff coming out today going, that's not music, that's not hip-hop. Any genre, there's that... You're changing things too much. Well, well the, the, the thing right. is, uh, look at the top 40 right now in hip-hop. At least 15 of those records are remakes. Yeah. From, like... from like uh, they bar- lazy. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> basically borrowed the beat from uh, Mary J. Blige. They changed up a couple of words, and it's an, it's supposed to be a new song. Come on. Well, yeah. and, but that, that started back in the 90s, at least in my opinion, it started in the 90s with the rap songs. It would take a mix, that, it, completely different words, but it takes two. Rob Bass. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite songs, probably right. my favorite song of all time. It takes two to make a thing go right? Yeah. Yeah. But completely different words change the entire song but use the same groove and the same melody to to keep the song going together it, it, exactly but a lot of people forget bedtime story yeah yeah but a lot of people forget that early hip hop period a lot of the early rap records were old soul records yes. they were old james brown records like uh will smith and jazzy jeff brand new funk the whole the whole song is just uh james brown repeating brand new funk that's the whole song, and and Will Smith rapping over it. And a lot of early hip hop records were like that, you know. Chic, good times. Yeah. Well, and see, I think there's a difference between a cover that that's more of a cover well, than taking a, a tune from a song and creating a new song from that base, and you're still kind of robbing the. Intellectual, you yeah. know, uh, it's a weird type of stealing, though, and I don't. It, it is. In, I don't want to get into like a deep, deep discussion about this. No, but, and, and I don't either. But, but, but think, here's the difference: like, if you took my phone right now, like, I don't have my phone. Like, give it back. Like, you physically take it from me. Yeah. But I could like share an idea with you, and, and, and you may have a, a slightly 
different twist on that idea. It's, that, still, it's still Joey's it, idea. It, but, it's, it's my idea, but I still have the idea, and you now also have the idea. It's a little different. You can duplicate it in infinitely. It, yeah, and, 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 and I, I dig all that. I dig every bit of that, but that's, that's what Walk This Way, yeah. I, it, that was not a straight cover of Walk This Way by the Rolling Stones. Or I mean, Aerosmith. the, the Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Excuse yeah. me, goodness, sir. <laughs> well, well, well. Technically, it is but because it, they he, didn't they didn't change the words. They just changed the way that they flowed them onto the track. The beat didn't change either, and neither did the hook. It technically is a cover. Well, and and when they first read it, weren't they like, "What the hell is this?" It, it, Until it, it, hillbilly gibberish. Is yeah, what, uh, and then once Steven Tyler came in, they're like, "Oh." oh. Okay. And, and it was it's Jay scratching. Song. It was it Jay is. scratching the record, and the, and that's that's the way that they changed it, made it theirs. That is one of the greatest songs out there. I'm telling, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Oh no, that's yeah. one. Of, that is a great song. Okay, uh, but I, then they borrowed from that when they did Tricky, and yep. and those they kept yeah. they kept that hard guitar beat in there, and that's like. This ain't black music. You got a guitar playing. It, no, it, it ain't got to be just straight rap. But I know it's and, and it doesn't have to be straight drum. rock. But I, and so. I know people try to keep these barriers up of like genre and like this is white music, this is black music. I get what people are saying when they say stuff like that. But then they music just music. Exactly. Like especially like we come back to Muscle Shoals. It's like. Who are these funky guys playing on these records? It's a bunch of southern white boys, oh, oh, and yeah. people were shocked. They're oh, yeah. like, what? Oh, oh yeah, you got Aretha Franklin and the group Alabama sitting there back to back recording in the same studio. I mean, that just doesn't. Well, well, well and in our minds, it doesn't go together. But that's how we separate. But it, it, I think it, it, it enlightens saying, people. It makes them like get well, out of well, there. Well, we're all the same. Well, two of Michael Jackson's greatest albums were executive produced by a white guy from Germany that nobody knows anything about. Rod Temperton. He used to be in a group called Heatwave, but nobody knows anything about him. But if you look on the back of Michael Jackson's two top-selling albums, he has the executive producing credits, and they're like, "Who well, is this Rod Temperton?" And it can fit into a genre like well, off the wall and thriller. Like it doesn't, it fits into a genre, but like the actual people making the music, it, it's music is music, and yeah, if somebody can jump onto it, that's the great thing about it too. It really can, I think, grab anybody. Sometimes it can be cultural, but great music person never heard it before like there's great videos of folks untouched by modern civilization people playing music for them and they understand um but here before we hit a break and before i tell folks and i am going to tell folks about my good friend eddie bader with the goodson group robert has been waiting for quite some time so i want to bring him on there hey robert what's up man hey guys uh Reason why Wisdom Pickett had such a shock when he came back to Muscle Shoals and saw those cotton fields was he he worked in the cotton fields in Prattville when he was 13 years old. Hmm. So he walked away from it. He said he'll never come back to Alabama. So he went to Detroit and he got tied in with a bunch of gospel groups. Then when he got big and hot, they brought him back to Muscle Shoals. And when he crossed those cotton fields, he had a culture shock because he said he was never coming back to those cotton fields. So that would destroy his mind about cotton fields because. Yeah. Prattville in Prattville when he was 13 years old. Man, I didn't know he was in Prattville. Yeah. And did, did Detroit saves again. <laughs> yeah. So he, his parents were sharecroppers in Prattville, and they never made a living mm-hmm. out of what he was doing. So yeah. he just walked away one day, got on a bus, dropped out of school, got on a bus, left home. They never knew where he was. So he 
heard about him in Detroit staying with a bunch of gospel groups. And then when he got high with gospel groups, you know, like you said earlier, a lot of them came from the roots of gospel. Oh, yeah. So when he got high with gospel, uh, soul found him. So when the soul found him, they brought him back to Muscle Shoals. And, he, and when he got back, he looked at it and saw them cotton fields. He thought he was going back to slavery. Do you know what year that was, Robert, when he left Prattville? Um, the lady that told me the whole story, but she worked in the field with him, she said he was saying in the fields that people would give him small chains to sing for him while he was in the field, and that kept the rhythm going while they picked cotton. Mm. So I believe she's 59, so he had to leave here in about 58, 57. Mm. Okay. Okay. But she said he was saying to them in the cotton field. Yeah. Humble beginnings. Yeah. Well, and it reminds hey, me I, of a B.B. King anecdote about how the roots are gospel. B.B. King said he used to play, thanks for the call, Robert, he used to play on the kind of the street corner playing his guitar, and he'd sing old gospel tunes. And people would go, oh, you're so talented, and they'd pat him on the head and this stuff. And then he started, like, singing blues about, like, sex and hard times and stuff. People started paying him. <laughs> oh, Muddy Waters, basically. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And I think Ray <laughs> Charles went through the same thing. It's like, what is this with this gospel music? But you're singing about sex. Oh, yeah. That's not allowed, but it, it, people ate it up. Oh, uh, man. Because I can go to church and hear gospel, but I, I've never heard this before, talking about modern life, good or bad, and put to this type of um, music. Well, well, Robert, Robert's got a good point, too, though, and and I think the old uh, what the old Negro gospels, I mean, th those are I mean, Negro goes, spirituals. Yeah, the spirituals. I mean, that goes back to slavery time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you, you have to think. They didn't have earbuds. They couldn't listen to music. And and I even, I'm not that much older than y'all. I remember being out working, digging post holes, and we would start singing together. Yeah. Us and what, what, the what, guys what, what, at Workforce. And, and that's the way you pass the time. And, I mean, the, the, dude, these cats could sing. And you're like, man... You're out here digging post holes. You shouldn't be digging post holes. You ought to be singing on the radio. Well, well, well. The thing is, you have to think. Back then, you know, you work in the field. You know, you got your hoe out there, and you, you you're and digging into the ground. And, and next thing you know, you and the guy next to you, we got a rhythm going. Okay, mm -hmm. tink, tink. And now somebody in the distance starts singing something to the beat. That's and how you pass the time. And, well, and, you know and it, also it over. goes back to my point that it's not just coming from the people. It comes from the place. Oh, the music just kind of comes out of everyday life. Like Your if you experiences. Take time, and you'll, you'll hear the rhythms. You'll hear certain sounds. And it's because I think it's why music from different places will sound so different. Yeah. Uh, because it's literally coming from the place and how people learn. If it's good music, it has to. Oh, it has oh, to oh, have oh, a connection and, to something. And, and Even if you're not connected to it yourself, you've got to feel that connection that Brandon wrote the song and sang it, but I can feel yeah. that he's still tied to Detroit. Yeah. I don't know nothing about Detroit. But it's got something to do with it. Yeah. And see, that's just like uh, we've been talking about all this different music and stuff. We forgot about Philly Soul. Oh, yeah. You know, the Philly Soul groups of the 70s. Oh, Gamble and Hustle. Oh, I man. thought you were talking about Boys to Men. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Motown Philly. Motown man. Philly back again. <laughs> oh, but the, the OJs, man. Oh, oh, man. I love the OJs. Yo, Mike, <laughs> check this out. Exactly. Hey, but they brought that back, though. Because before then, groups wasn't harmonizing back then. Good stuff, though. And they was doing it to a hip-hop beat. <laughs> Motown Phillies back again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Doing a little East Coast swag. I didn't know you knew that Southern Blue. Oh, oh, my God. That is 
Ooh, that is one of my most favorite songs. It, it, Boys to Men is, they are really one of my favorite groups ever. Well, and we got to hit a break here. But first, um, this show is, you got to, you know, have people that help you and put on the show. And we have folks like yourselves, who Brandon, Southern Wood, Mr. Wood, thank you for the, being here tonight. People like Eddie Bader? Yeah, but Eddie Bader helps, you know, pay for the show. And Eddie Bader is this fantastic guy who changed his own life by investing in real estate in particular by investing and turning them into rental properties and he wants me to tell you and it's well i'm happy to tell you because i want to do it with my own life of course of there are plenty of opportunities, especially in Montgomery, because we have a lot of turnover with the Air Force here. Uh, we just have a lot of turnover going on. So if you can want to buy and invest in a property, turn it into a rental property, this is what Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group can help you do. By the time you sell or you own the place and you're closing on it, by the time you're about to close on a place, they can already be finding you tenants. So you immediately have money coming in. And if you don't want to go through the hassle and the headache of having to manage an investment property yourself, a rental property, the Goodson Group can take care of it for you. You can do that all through Eddie Bader. Or if you're looking to buy a home and settle down because you had a growing family. Exactly. You're, you're exactly. in your late 20s going into your early 30s, and you're like, I need to stop paying rent. I need to just own the place, pay a mortgage. And, and, and your mortgage can actually be cheaper than what you're paying for renting an apartment. Exactly. And you know where we learned that from? Mr. Eddie Bader. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. So if you're interested in buying, selling a home, especially if you're interested in buying real estate as an investment that brings money in, starts bringing cash flow in as a rental property, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. He can not only make your dreams come true, he can help make you money. So give him a call. 322-0662. Again, that's Eddie Bader. With the Goodson Group. Yes, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Oh, I'm enjoying this show tonight. Oh, man, it's beautiful. I've been kind of like twisted up inside all week. And there's something about Aretha singing, may she rest in peace. Uh, that's kind of got me loosened up. I feel good. Queen of Soul, good. man. Queen of Soul. Come on now. <sighs> well, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Brandon's here. Southern Wood. Southern Wood is in the studio. <laughs> we'll be right back. Joey Clark. Brandon, is that jazz flute? Oh, yes. Little jazz flute. Here's your jazz flute, Mr. Moody. At least it's not a piccolo player. <laughs> Heard bad things about the piccolo player. Yeah, I'd rather have a flute than a piccolo. Yeah, one time at band camp? <laughs>
liking and I'm liking it. Getting into some soul tonight, folks, in honor of the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Talking music, talking about all sorts of things. Music's really the basis. Soul's really the basis. Oh yeah, Man. soul in every sense of the word. And, and that's what music is. I mean, it, it's so it it it's the universal language. I yeah. mean, you could you could you could go anywhere in the world and play that song. And if they did not understand a single word that she was singing, they would still groove to it and feel what she's you trying to feel convey. Good music you feel inside you. And it's like, I don't know what she's singing, but man, it's, I know what I'm feeling. Exactly. And good music or great music really makes you feel the music rather than just hear it and say yeah that's okay well and it'll tie you like your own life you hear a great song you will always have that memory like certain songs tell me about it oh lord <laughs> folks send you back in time you did you see that brandon uh you saw that did you see that look oh, oh i oh, see the, the look, look on southern woods face oh yeah when he said tell me about it is there something you like to share, Mr. Wood? No, no I, mean, actually, I, I just, I mean, just right off the top of my head. It, no, it, it just seemed like, no, I, I have to tell you, like, I put a, like a, a kibosh on the, uh, I, I've banned talking about sex on this show for a little while. We've been no, talking I'm, about I'm sex ta- too much. I, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just, just that look on your face, but, Southern Wood. But no, when I, when I hear the song Lady in Red, mm-hmm. I mean, cheesy, cheesy ass song. Very too. much, yeah. I mean, very. But it will send me back in time immediately. Yeah. Because I was a little twelve-year-old boy that had a crush on a little girl in the sixth grade, <laughs> and 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 if for some reason that song was popular, or she had a dress on at the at the little high school dance or the the elementary school dance, and she wouldn't give me any attention, and it still sends me back to that moment. thirty-five years in time. And I'm standing in the gym at Upper Academy, <laughs> going, "She won't dance with me. She won't be my girl. She, she won't go with me." That's what that's what, uh, what our term was. Yeah, We're going go together. Yeah, yeah, that that was what boyfriend and girlfriend. Going We're going where? together. Going where? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going where? But but she wouldn't go with me, and and I, it it just transports me back in time every single time I hear that song. Mm-hmm. But it it's that's just. And there's many songs. There's there's some songs where I think about my wife, and I mean it'll if I hear them on the radio, I'll just I'll mean I'll tear up. Yeah. And 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 they're not always these magnificent deep songs. Brad Paisley's got one uh, uh, that that he sings, and when I hear it, I mean it just but it describes my old lady. Yeah. I mean to a T. I mean it is Lauren oh, I've got made a, I, over. I got a bunch like that. And I'm just like I'm like this is this is her. Oh, I got a bunch of those like that, but like I said, I've banned talking about sex on this show, so that has nothing to do with no, sex. I'm, this no, talks no, about the not, emotion that I have with no, I'm my not, wife. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me and all these songs <laughs> that keep coming to mind. <laughs> They're associated with the afterglow, if you know. Catch my draft. Well, let's go to the phones, Doctor Crawdad. What's up, man? Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, I was listening to your conversation about the constant evolution of music. Hmm. 
and and uh, Jerry, did you ever take a class in musicology when you were in school? Unfortunately, not. I didn't have any of those okay. like ready for me. Okay. Well, there's a there's a job if you ever get tired of radio. There's a job out there for you. You, you can have a degree in that and teach it. And get paid. Well, Listen, I thought about um, it. you guys, uh, I really enjoy every Saturday. Hey, hey, uh, Southern Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I I all that. Uh, yeah, uh, George Clinton, Eddie Hazel, Bootsy Collins, etc., and the hundreds of other people who people who have floated through, in and out, uh, and been part of the Parliament experience. Uh, you guys, uh, that's probably the '70s stuff, but uh, George Clinton is one of my yeah. favorites. Oh man, I love George Tell, Clinton. And you were you're talking about rap music and the spoken word and how poetry into yeah. And I just first thing that came to mind is George Clinton, Parliament oh, and, and Funkadelics. Okay, and talk about a guy who influenced my favorite. Wow, 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 yippee, yippee, yay. Wow, wow. Ooh, yeah, and and the flashlight is well, not, you see, probably my favorite song. <laughs> going back to WHHY was was around the corner from us on Norman Bridge Road. We we would get up in the morning, get ready to go to school, turn on the radio, and and you would hear things. And occasionally, uh, Larry would have a you know the first caller that calls in with the you win a prize. I, I have forty fives over here that came from WHHY. Wow, damn. <laughs> 33s, not 45. And one of them was the uh, the old Mothership Connection. I forgot which one that was. They came Put a glide in your stride and a dip in your hip and come on to the Mothership. Shit. I did oh, not yeah. get to go to the show at Garrett Coliseum. Missed out on that one. Um, but uh, Maggot Brain. Oh. Oh. Now that, talk about... Oh. George told Eddie Hazel, he said, I want you to just go in there and just... Make sad come out of your guitar. Yeah. And he nails it. He does. That is one of the most powerful songs and guitar solos in particular I've ever heard. Uh, One of my favorites, too. Thank you for reminding me of that. I just wanted to toss that in there. And uh, Do you know the word in Arabic, tabla, uh, is what they call a drum? You know, the drum. Uh, People have been whacking a stick on a rock forever, and it just got better, didn't it? Indeed. Indeed. I'm going to take your word on that one, Crawdad. Well, and Crawdad, you mentioned musicology, and it reminded me of this. Uh. I'm going to hang up. You listen on the radio, see if you know this one. This was actually the first one I ever bought of his albums. I actually bought. I got to know all 30 eventually, but this is the first one I ever bought when I learned about Prince. Okay. Little stuff in this. Uh, for the two funk soldiers. Music 
27 when you graduated? Let's grow September Love that damn song. Now, and that takes me back to just, I remember that's the first album I ever bought of his, like a true album. I used to play that at Fun Zone, surprise people with it, going, okay. And people get down to it. It'd be, uh, and then you started working your way back through his earlier work. Oh, yeah. You start with that uh, For You, 1978. You jump to Prince. And you jump to oh am I am I gonna do this What is it It jumps to Dirty Mind I don't, and, I, and then it I, jumps to Controversy Don't look at me looking for an answer Yeah <laughs> I just I remember Dirty Mind to Rain. Controversy to 1999 Purple Rain Around the World in the Day Parade Under the Cherry Moon Purple Rain and Sign Batman. of the Times Then oh. Batman Oh I love Well actually no Then Love Sexy I love the Sheila But actually, e. I love the Sheila E. Era. Sheila E. Yeah. Uh, oh, Sheila E's great, man. Sheila E's oh, really good. Oh, oh and, it's, oh, and it's young, w- young Clay was quite infatuated. It's almost like Sheila this e. morning I knew you were going to say that, and I had this like queued up. A chick playing drums. What is more sexy than that? And he used to play him standing up. Oh yeah, with with neon yeah. sticks. Oh my gosh, I watched a video. I actually had a dream night. that you <laughs> this morning. I woke up and I had this dream in my head that you love Sheila E. And then it just happens to nine. The dream came <laughs> true. Your dream came true. I love the groove here. Oh. Uh, well, we could play music all night. Oh, yeah. I love that scratch, that funky little rhythm guitar, but let's see who's on the phones here. Uh, let's go to James. Hey, James, how you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, was that Parliament in the Funkadelic? That was just playing? Oh, no, not that, but it wasn't that the... I, I remember Parliament, and I'm trying to remember the... Parliament and the Funkadelic, wasn't that the name of the yeah. group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Parliament. Yes. And then, well, Funkadelic did uh, the One Nation mm-hmm. Under Groove album. Like, George Clinton had several Love bands. that song, too. Oh, One Nation Under It was under George Clinton with... Under a groove getting down just for the funk of it. <laughs> <laughs> Parliament and the Funkadelic, man, that was a long time ago. I, we, I heard you talking about a studio in Buffalo. Which one are you talking about? Fame. Where Aretha okay, I, Franklin recorded. Yeah, I worked for uh, Tanya Holly. We bought the Muscle Show Sound Studio one uh-huh. down by the river. Yeah. And uh, my office was next to the only person she let stay was uh, David Hood. And David Hood was one of the original performers. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I had several... He and I used to talk about, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But uh, David and I talked about the old day, you know, and it, it's people that came in and recorded in those studios. And, uh, and it was just a, just a fascinating place to go around. And she bought the place, and, they, um, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. He still had all the gold records. 
on the wall. And it was just unbelievable who has recorded. And then, uh, it is Joel absolutely Rutgers. amazing. It's kind of a, a musical mecca in the middle of nowhere. Well, the, the mesh of people. When I walked in there and I looked on the wall and the different names that you see, it's like, this doesn't make sense for <laughs> yes. these same people to be in the same place. But that's what music can do is bring people together. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Well, you were talking about the musicians. See, that was... Uh, they claimed the fame. They wanted to hear the, uh, and you're right, they were just a bunch of old southern white boys. Oh, but really? they were able to put together such a sound, and uh, people, you know, it was incredible. Now, the acoustics of that old studio, was, uh, that place was built decades ago, and it started out as a pump station for the river. Okay. But oh, they wow. changed it into different things, and they built uh, the actual studio. It's built inside of the building, and the studio is uh, uh, brick. I mean, not brick, but block. Okay, block. yeah. And it uh, closed in, and the people that know uh, say that that caused a lot of that uh, vibration and the acoustics, and it caused that that unique sound um, that that place has got. And, you know, it's incredible to walk down the hallway and I sat at the piano, and of course, again, I can't play it, mm-hmm. but I sat at the same piano that, uh, oh, God, it was the it was the studio piano. So uh, there's no telling who all sat at that same piano. All right. right. They played for all those years, and it's uh, very, and they've re, uh, she's took it, taken it and done a lot of work to it. So if you ever get a chance to go back up there, uh, go and, and take the tour. I will. A lot of musical events. Uh, her her uh, husband is Kelvin Holly, which is Little Richard's lead guitar. Wow. Okay. 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 Well, James, I'm I'm going to run out of time here, and I appreciate you sharing all that, man. I really do. I enjoyed the day. I enjoyed listening to y'all today. Thank you, James. Hey, talk you to so you, much. James. Yeah, and that's so cool too that it is. Um, it's fairly local. We've had people calling all day when. Aretha's time at, at, in Muscle Shoals got brought up, and uh, you run into folks. You get kind of these brushes with greatness. greatness. Yeah. yeah, greatness exactly. And that gives you a personal tie. Yeah, with yeah. something like that, you know, you just you naturally even. Yeah, I think you kind of maybe elevate them a little bit higher than maybe they should be. Not to take anything oh, away sure. from, yeah. from her, but it's like, oh, yeah, they were in, well, they were in well, Muscle well, that's Shoals, the, that little old redneck town well, in Alabama. Well, well they don't even have to be us. Muscle Shoals. Think about Montgomery and Nat King Cole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the musical history there. And it's, it was crazy when I found out about that because I, I just recently found out about that through a documentary that they have you on. Didn't, uh, I didn't know you didn't know that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I'm not from here, so well, well they don't teach you much up no, there in and Detroit. It, it made me <laughs> nice there, shot. There nice you shot. go, Southernwood. Oh there yeah, Mister Wood, Doctor Wood. Go. Goodness, wait, he's a doc. What are you a doctor of? Oh yeah, I'm a doctor of everything. We're not going to get in that. Okay, tonight. We, we don't, don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. But it made me. I was watching. This is a weird way to finish up the show. Uh, this BBC show called Grand Designs. This guy wanted to make like a ten thousand square foot citadel out of cob 
he specialized in using Cobb. Um, and the point that the host made as he was watching them build this massive structure, there's something beautiful about the simplicity that it's not really the stuff around us that's valuable. They're just taking, when it's on the ground, it's mud and it's pine and it's sand and it's not really all that valuable, but it's literally human ingenuity, hard work, sweat. You mix that up, you can build an amazing structure. You go to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and people have told me this, like, where the hell are we? <laughs> but it is the, the thing, the sweat, the ingenuity, the genius that people put forward. And after year after year after year, it would build on itself, and the myth would build out of it. And I think there's a spiritual yeah. aspect to that that... you. And this goes back to something that you and I, I'll be real quick, we've talked about before. Expectations are so much. You expect, if you get a gig where you can record in that studio, you expect yeah. great things have happened here, something great's fixing to happen. You're putting higher expectations on yourself than what you even think you can accomplish. And that's what you end up doing because... It's got a foundation to it. It's been established and been built on, and it keeps building. And it's all inside of you is where it comes from. And it makes you realize more no. than that. Makes you realize your, your reach doesn't necessarily exceed your, your grasp. Doctor Wood, people. Doctor Wood. Doctor Wood. Thank you, Southern Wood. I got that from a good friend of mine. Thank you, Southern Wood. Thank you, Brandon. Oh yeah. And rest in peace, Aretha. Rest, rest in peace. peace. Mm. I'll be back tomorrow night, folks. Thank you for listening. Joey Clark.